Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to The Deciding Point, our Crack Rackets weekly breakdown of the biggest storylines happening throughout the tennis world. This week's episode, going to focus on the 2021 Wimbledon, in particular this edition of the show. Going to focus on the results we've seen on the men's side. It does feel like that continuing generational shift, that changing of the guards. Yes, Novak Djokovic is on top of the tennis universe, but you look at guys like Hubi Hurkacz, Matteo Berrettini, Denis Shapovalov, of the new semi-finalists at Wimbledon challenging him. Six of the eight quarterfinalists at Wimbledon, first-time quarterfinalists at the event. Of course, the other two being Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer. But we want to explore all of those themes, all of those topics on today's show. With that in mind, Westoff, roll the credits. Let's get to it. What is one of the takeaways from this 2021 Wimbledon men's singles event? For me, it's that the future of the ATP Tour it's really freaking tall. You look at some of these names in particular, the next geners working their way up towards the top of the rankings or the guys who have already solidified their spots inside that top 10, top five range. It's guys like Daniil Medvedev, who stands at six foot six, a guy like Stefano Tsitsipas, six foot four, a guy like Alex Zverev, six foot six, Matteo Berrettini, six foot six. You look at the list of these next geners who have had success here already in 2021 or had success here over the past three or four seasons. Here's the list of guys who are over uh, the 6'4 height range. You've got Daniil Medvedev, Stefano Tsitsipas, Alex Zverev, Matteo Berrettini. You've also got Miami champion, Wimbledon semifinalist Hubi Hurkacz, Karen Hachanov, who obviously loses five sets quarterfinals. FAA, four-set loser, quarterfinals of this Wimbledon. You've also got guys like Bublik, like Opelka, like Fritz, like Sebastian Korda, who was probably one of the biggest winners of week one of this Grand Slam, one of the rising stars in the men's game. You want to go a little deeper down the line, you've got guys like Lloyd Harris, who has solidified a spot in the top 50, a guy like Alexi Popperin, a quiet 6'5", but that serve, that forehand, he's established himself as a top 100 player. You can even, if you really want to go, I don't know if they're next gen anymore. He's my age, a 1995-er. But a guy like Nick Kyrgios, who obviously that height would allow him to do with that serve, hit down on the ball, his shoulder talent. That's the thing. When you talk about the future of men's tennis, it's twofold. A, the list of players I just mentioned, what are the traits they all have in common? They can all crank serves out at 130 miles per hour whenever they really need to. And it's not that that serve is going to go in, but it's that they can hit that threshold. And when it does go in, it offers them the pathway to free points. And as we've learned in 21st century tennis, men's or women's, and honestly, this has been the case always, but with the developments in technology and it's become a little, you know, the slowing down of surfaces, the amount of, you know, returns that are put at least back in play continues to increase. If you have that first weapon, that big first serve that can earn you some free points over the course of a match, things are just going to be easier for you. And for all of those guys, Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, Berrettini, 
Hercott, uh, you know, even Bublik when his serves landing, Opelka, they're all top 15 players in hold percentage. And when you have that part of the game come so easily to you, it allows you to take chances as a returner. Now, a lot of those over six foot four guys are a little bit different in terms of their returning, in terms of their game styles. You have guys like Bublik, perhaps a guy like Hercott, you usually throw in that category as well. High variance, a little bit more aggressive with their returns of serve. But you know, then you add in the length and the fluidity that helps these players on their return of serve. When you're six foot six, just a little easier to reach out on both wings. It's a little easier to, uh, I suppose, uh, control, redirect, absorb a 130 mile per hour serve coming at you. And just, there's a reason these guys continue to have success. You look across the board. Again, given it's a Hercots versus Berrettini final, there's three finals here in 2021 that, you know, probably all going to feature Novak Djokovic, but they will all certainly feature at least one player who's over six foot four. And I'm not saying there's not a place for players who aren't in that height range. I made a list of that as well, just in case you were curious. It's guys like Dominic Team and, you know, Andre Rublev, Yannick Sinner, and, you know, those guys... I think there's Denis Shapovalov belongs in that conversation. They have an extreme athleticism to themselves where that even at 6-1, the the torque and the the spin and the pace those four guys can generate just blessed with those, you know, God-given shoulders, blessed with that contact point that's so brilliant and so that they don't have that height, it doesn't matter for them. They're able to make up for it, but sometimes all those guys, their second serves, they'll hang a little bit short and it's just the margin of error you have to play with when you are 6'4 to 6'6, it's larger than when you're not. And, you know, again, while those guys I mentioned, the teams, Rublev, sinners of the world, it's not as though they struggle with their movement. They struggle physically, but, you know, again, they wear out a little bit. It's just, it, they don't, it's a little bit harder for those guys, I suppose, to generate free points over the course of seven matches than it is when you're 6'4 to 6'6. And so, again, I, and for Demon Hour, an extreme speed, but how often do we just see him on his back foot because he can't? can't generate the pace as easily as some of those other guys, case in point, first round Sebastian Corda at this past Wimbledon. The point being, if you're watching these young players rising up the rankings, if you're seeing the way the game is developing, again, Yannick Sinner is the exception to a lot of rules here. There's And there are going to continue to be players that are under that six foot four threshold that find successful paths on the ATP Tour, but to compete at the top of the game, to be the elite of the elite, you look at the trend that's emerging at the top of the rankings, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Berrettini, all extreme examples, but even guys like Korda waiting in the wings, there is a lot of height, a lot of length, surprising fluidity from all of those players, but more importantly, a ton of talent, and in my opinion, I think this next evolution of the game is going to be really, really exciting, going to lead to a really fun decade on the AT. With the American hardcourt summer just around the corner, let's talk a little American men's tennis coming out of the 2021 Wimbledon. In particular, I think if you are a fan of American men's tennis, the question you should be asking yourself, has Sebastian Corda taken the reins? Is he the guy to beat now 
in the men's game on the American side. You look at some of the names, certainly John Isner, first-round loss at Wimbledon to Yoshihito Nishioka. That was disappointing. You look at a guy like Sam Query, who made a final in the run-up to this event on a grass court. He loses second round. That was disappointing. Now, there are some other youngsters. I consider them still next-geners, born 97-98. You know the generation of guys I'm talking about if you're a Cracked Rackets listener, that Fritz, Opelka, Tommy Paul, Francis Tiafo generation of players. There are other names that I'm missing. Believe me, I could go all the way through Mo, Korda, Wolf. We can do them all. Nakashima, again, they all belong in that conversation. They're all playing some really, really good tennis right now, but you look at the results for Sebastian Korda, you look at the advanced metrics for Sebastian Korda since the tour resumed in August, it's hard to argue against anyone but him being the top guy, being the guy to beat right now in on the American side in the men's game. You look at his numbers, 41-16 and 16 over the last 52 weeks. That's a 72% win percentage. He's won an ATP title. He's made finals on multiple surfaces. He's won a couple of challenger titles as well, perhaps most impressively for a guy who just turned 21 years old 10 and 8 against the top 50 uh, 4 and 4 against the top 20 2 and 2 against top 10 opponents now his second serve win percentage diminishes as the level of opponent increases but you look at that first serve it's absolutely a weapon for Sebastian You look at that first serve for Sebastian Corda, it's absolutely a weapon. He's winning 65% of his first serve points against top 10 opponents, 71% of his first serve points against opponents overall. You look for him now that he is in the top 15. He's up to number 47 following this Wimbledon for Sebastian Corda. Currently ranks 27th in hold percentage. Now, again, you look at the way he serves. If you're actually watching these results, that first serve is going to be a weapon. The second serve hangs up a little bit now, but it's not a concerning second serve. There's nothing about his technique. There's nothing about the way he performs under the clutch, under pressure, moments. He's, you know, Sebastian Corda's got it in terms of the serve. He's absolutely got a serve that will be able to set up plus one balls, will be able to set up, you know, him on his front foot throughout the the course of matches and so 27th now I think that number is only going to improve the thing that's most impressive he's 11th amongst top 50 players in break percentage he is breaking serve about 28% of the time just turned 21 he's 11th amongst top 50 players normally that's the thing that's the big adjustment the pace of those serves the pace of the plus one balls coming at you we had this conversation on the mini break during Wimbledon but what's your game plan if you're playing Sebastian Corda what's the scouting report against him that's okay do this and it's going to break him down get him stretched into the outer thirds don't let him set his feet don't let him play on his front foot you could say those generic things about every player throw garbage at him keep the slice low and, you know, again, don't let him get the ball in his strike zone. Well, Dan Evans tried that 
didn't end up working for him at Wimbledon. Well, you know, serve to the forehand wing, not the backhand wing, because the backhand's exceptional, and maybe the forehand backswing's a little bit bigger. Like, yeah, if you can throw off serve 135 mile per hour into his forehand, you may draw an error. You could say that about everyone, you know, bait him coming forward. Well, good, not great volleyer, but he knows when to come forward, and he's confident when he's up there, and he knows what the reads are, and at his age, that's the most important thing, because the field, the finesse will come. He can slice the backhand. Again, Again, you got to attack the second serve. If you can get the serve into his body, certainly, again, he doesn't have the quickest first step, but his length makes up for a lot of that. Sebastian Court is an absolute stud, and you look in his career, you know, he's played fewer than six main draws at Grand Slams. He's already made multiple round of 16s. He's done it on grass. He's done it on clay courts at the Slams. The only uh, places he hasn't made the round of 16, Australia and the U.S. Open, and does anyone think Sebastian Corda is going to struggle at the hard court Slams? I don't think so, particularly after his run in Miami this season. Sebastian Corda's been a breakthrough star, and, you know, again, why do I have that conversation about what are his weaknesses? What's the scouting report against him? Because you look at the rest of the young Americans emerging. Riley Opelka, certainly seven feet tall when that serves landing, when he's playing confidently, hitting the return freely for his size. I've never seen an athlete that can move on a tennis court like he can. And, you know, the backhand is good. It's fluid. It's just good. And the forehand's funky, but when he can turn into it, 120 miles per hour anywhere, he can hit that sort of shot. The problem is, can he sustain that level for the course of an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, four hours, even at the Grand Slam level? He hasn't answered that question yet. And that is a discernible thing to be concerned about for Fritz. Can he ever be a good enough mover, a good enough volleyer to take advantage of just a God-given shoulder and just the most beautiful contact point, fantastic ground strokes you'll see? He's getting better at it. Question that the answer to that question probably still no for you know Tommy Paul can he stay healthy long enough can he again keep that focus over the course of two and a half three four hours to where he's on Mach five he's playing aggressive tennis he doesn't get baited into being in the outer thirds and then you know again you can keep going down the list Tiafo is still interesting because his four you know the forehand return which is always the discernible weakness has gotten better and better and he's got all this creativity he seems to thrive in the big stages the big matches. That's a conversation for another time. Brandon Nakashima as well. So many young, talented players. But again, for Sebastian Corda, there's no question. I think all of us think it's not if, it's when he cracks the top 20 of the rankings. It's not if, it's when he gets into the top 10. Because that's the sort of upside he has. And I'm not projecting perennial world number one. I'm not saying he's going to win 10, 15, 20 grand slams. I'm saying he's going to be in the mix for as long as he's healthy, for as long as he's pursuing a professional tennis career. Again, that family breeds success. He's got all the physical tools. He's got the mentality as well. You come out of this 2021 Wimbledon. You've come out of these last 52 weeks because it has been a full calendar year now. The takeaway has to be Sebastian Corda. He's the guy right now in American Men. Let's have some fun here as we look back at this 2021 Wimbledon and perhaps even more broadly as we look back at the past year of tennis. Just a thought exercise for all of you watching this clip listening at home. If I offered you the trios from the Canadians or the Italians, which of these would you take? You can either have FAA, Shapovalov, and Andrescu at every major over the next decade, or you can have Berrettini, Sinner, 
and Musetti over the course of the next decade. It's a fascinating thought, right? Because obviously the big uh, thing coming in, Bianca Andreescu already a Grand Slam champion. She's got the one title. We saw her win a 1,000 level event as well. We know when healthy, she can compete with anyone. She can be the best of the best. And, you know, she hadn't played a match in pretty much 52 weeks, if not more. She comes into Miami. She ends up making the final of that event, knocking off some sensational players along the way. And she's a primetime performer. There's no denying that. The question is, with all the health concerns, can she play nine months a year consistently? Can she play two weeks consistently over the course, you know, again, spread out over the course of eight months to rack up multiple Grand Slams, to have the sort of callousing that you need to win those sorts of events, particularly with the parity we see on the women's side. Meanwhile, you know, there's no denying the power, the athleticism of both Felix Augier Aliasim and Denis Shapovalov. I mentioned this on Twitter at Great Shot Pod during his quarterfinal victory over Karen Hatchinoff. Pound for pound, you're not going to find a more explosive athlete on the ATP Tour than Denis Shapovalov. His ability to generate pace from the corners when he stretched, you listen to the serve, it just sounds like a pop every single time it comes off of his racket. The strength he has, a one-handed backhand that never gets overwhelmed by power he can take your 130 mile per hour serve add five more miles per hour to it on his return coming back at you the racket speed the willingness to move forward and yes sometimes that aggression turns into hubris sometimes we do see the streaks of errors from Denis Shapovalov but he's into his first semifinal here at the Grand Slams at Wimbledon you know gets the five set win over Hatchinov has looked excellent all tournament long as he plays now I think it's now 19 grass court matches he's 11 and eight, but you could see him having success on this surface throughout the course of his career. And then, you know, he's already made a quarterfinal at the U.S. Open. We know he's made, what was it, the final at the Rogers Cup as well. He can do, or semifinal, whatever it was, he can do some really special things. And of course, someone who's been touted as the heir apparent since he was, what, 11, 12 years old, Felix Ogier-Aliassime on the Canadian side, who into his first Grand Slam quarterfinal, he's now made the fourth round of three of the four Grand Slams everywhere but the French Open. Of course, he's made eight ATP finals, has yet to win a title, but done all of these things before the age of 21. You look at the all-time records on the ATP Challenger Tour, essentially, for those who don't know, tennis is, I don't want to say minor leagues because that doesn't do justice to how good those players are, but you play through the Challenger Tour to get to the ATP level. If you're listening or watching this, you'd likely know that. Uh, for you know the, all those records, it's Gasquet, it's Del Potro, it's Nadal, it's Djokovic, it's Felix Ogier Aliassim, who share all of those records at that level. Youngest player to do X, Y, and Z. It's a promising group, and they're still very, very young as well. But on the flip side, you look for the Italians. I mean, Yannick Sinner already made a Miami Masters final, was the youngest player to do that since Novak Djokovic, and has already made a Grand Slam quarterfinal as well. It takes three seconds. I think the best comparison for Sinner is a young Juan Martin Del Potro because if he gets to set his feet, you lose. If he's on the run and hits that forehand cleanly, he takes control of the point. The explosiveness off of his racket, again, he and FAA and Shapovalov, the power they play with, you're just like... Where was this in previous generations? I've never heard this before. I've never seen this before. This didn't exist before. And so, you know, for these players, 
uh, you know, for a Yannick Sinner, he's special. There's no denying that, and he's already established himself a top 20 guy. The advanced metrics have him higher than that here in 2021. Of course, he is flanked by a guy in Matteo Berrettini, who's probably, it's crazy to say because this was the funny thing, people aren't saying enough, but he might be the most underrated player in the top 10. Just, he's an elite server, three guys over a 90% hold percentage, how frequently they're holding serve. It's Berrettini, it's Ranich, it's Isner. That's the conversation he belongs with as a server that forehand elite his willingness to move forward his aggressiveness matches are played on his terms he's a special talent and then one of the breakthrough stars post-pandemic is former world junior number one talented young Lorenzo Musetti now he loses his first round match to Hubi Hercats two close first sets in that match Hercats has gone on to the semifinals, so even that first round loss has appreciated with value and again he is still so young it's a really tough question what you're asking me again I would give it on the to the Canadians because Andrescu, you feel like 5-6, very much in the realm for her. You feel like FAA, the best version of him, that serve, that forehand, could get to that 5-6 number as well. I think Shapovalov at best in that 2-3 range. Meanwhile, you look at Yannick Sinner, I would say his ceiling is similar to FAA. As listeners would know, they're two of the guys I think I guarantee are going to end up with Grand Slams here in this 2020s decade. Berrettini is going to be on the cusp. Musetti, the better he gets on clay courts in particular, his flair for shot making, flair for the stage, he's dangerous. But give me the Canadians on the backs of FAA and Andrescu. Again, I've always been buying the FAA stock. Andrescu's talent so obvious. All of these players are talented. They're all going to be really fun to root for. You're in a good place if you're Canada or a fan of Canadian or Italian tennis. Uh, but I would say if I was picking... I'll take the Canadians regardless. Those are two really, really fun groups. And again, all this means is the next decade of tennis going to be spectacular. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Here's a stat for all of you coming out of the 2021 Wimbledon. Only four players on the ATP Tour have advanced to the fourth round or later at all three Grand Slams this season. Now, you have Novak Djokovic, who still has the opportunity to win all four majors, win a gold medal at the time of recording this video. You've also got Alex Virev, Daniil Medvedev. We've seen both of them make a Grand Slam final. But the fourth player on that list, a player who I think somehow, despite his perennial top 10 ranking has become severely underrated in the next-gen ATP discussion is Matteo Berrettini, who, simply put, has been outstanding over these last 52 weeks of play. You look for Berrettini. He's won titles on both grass courts and clay courts. He won in Belgrade earlier this season. He ends up winning the Queen's Club event in the build-up to the 2021 Wimbledon. He knocks off Felix Ogier-Aliassime in four sets to advance 
to his first semifinal at this event. It's his second semifinal for him at the majors in his career. And he joins Novak Djokovic as the only ATP players to make multiple quarterfinals at slams this season. You look for Matteo Berrettini, the conversation with him has to start with his serve. He's 39 and 11 overall record-wise and his last 52 weeks. It's on the back of that serve. He holds over 90% of the time. There are only three top 50 players on the ATP Tour who hold at a 90% or greater clip. It's John Isner, Milos Raonic, and Matteo Berrettini. When that's the company you're hanging out with, you are amongst the elite of elite servers on the ATP Tour. You also look for Berrettini. Career highs for him in return points one. Career high for him in break percentage. And while those numbers still aren't in the top 20, top 15 range like some of his next-gen peers, he's gone from being a bottom five returner to inside, you know, the top 35, outside the bottom 15. And that's a development for him because he holds at an elite rate. Even if the returning didn't get better with his serve, his plus one forehand, he's always going to be able to compete in matches. And when you look for him in his career, titles on grass, titles on clay court, he's made a final on a hard court, but he's never won an ATP title on a hard court. And given his power-centric game, isn't that a shock to some of you hearing that stat for the first time that he's made finals on a hard court, but that's the one surface in his career he's never had success on, or never, excuse me, gotten over the finish line on. Of course, he has had success. His first slam semifinal coming at the U.S. Open in 2019. And, you know, you look for Matteo Berrettini, it's that he plays on his terms. When his serve is landing, he is going to be holding. When he gets a look at a forehand in the rally, the point is now on his terms. That slice on grass courts in particular effect, uh, on grass courts in particular, particularly effective, but it translates across surfaces. And that backhand hitting through the ball, it's gotten better for him. His ability to swing through that side, hit it as the return of serve. It's no longer the gaping vulnerability it was earlier in his career. It's also the ease with which he plays. You feel like that style is going to be replicable for quite a bit of time. Again, matches on his terms. In my opinion, he played Djokovic closer than Nadal closer than Tsitsipas at the French Open this year. And that's a testament to, again, his power tennis can overwhelm the best of the best. When he's clicking, he's going to find himself in a tie break at a minimum. I think it's time we start discussing him with the likes of Zverev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas. And I know those guys have slam finals and he doesn't. But A, I think he's the front runner. I think he's favored. He's going to be favored, certainly, over Hercots to make his first final here at Wimbledon. And B, it's the consistency. 2019, he won multiple titles, made a slam semifinal, made the year-end finals, was a top eight guy. 2020, some injuries to start the season. It was such a broken year, but you look for him now again, that 39-11 and record in his last 52. He has refound his stride in terms of advanced metrics. He's number eight right now in overall ELO, number six right now in 2021 ELO. That's before these Wimbledon results are put in. He's only going to move up from here. Matteo Berrettini, clearly a top eight guy. And I think once we move past the Novak Djokovic's last few seasons of dominance, he'll be right up there in the discussion. He belongs on the tier. Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, Berrettini, Rublev is right on those fringes. Guys like Sinner, Shapovalov, FAA, they sit on the fringes as well. Berrettini no longer on the fridges. He's amongst the elite in men's tennis, and it's time that we start discussing him as such.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.